Let's give it up for Pastor Kyra Redding, everybody, as she presents the Word of God. Hello. All right. Welcome, 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 welcome. Uh, man, worship was so good, so good. God is good, isn't he? So all throughout the Summer Bliss series, it has been blessing my life. Who out there has been blessed by this series? Yes, we're tracking through the book of Philippians, and as a church, we are growing internally, and that's a good thing. And so you have messages like, I'm going to pop them out, a better outcome, right? How about the ingredients of greatness? Yes. Outlive the opposition. That's such a good one. And week two was when life gives you lemons— Finish the statement. There you go. So, Pastor, thank you for continuing to be up here week in and week out. I know, you know, what you do and you grind at the house being a great father and a husband and a pastor of this church. So let's just give it up to Pastor Josh and honor him. Yes. Awesome. So if you have missed any of those messages, I just invite you to get on the podcast. We have Google Play for Android, right? But I'm an Apple user, so. Um, but yeah, we have a podcast out there. I, I've heard of people going back to our series from last summer when we went through the book of Ephesians, and it will bless you, I promise. So just get in that. But today, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. And we're starting brand new in a chapter. We have one more chapter to go. But I know that what Paul is going to tell us, I believe, can transfer our faith in such a powerful way that we can leave here different than what we walked in that door. Amen? So we've got to believe that by faith, yes? And, and so Philippians 3.1, I have my Bible up here, but they're going to pop it up. And before we get into this verse, I just want to pray. Is that cool? All right. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity. Um, Lord, I count it all joy. And Father, I just, I get me out of the way. And I just pray that you speak to your people how you want to speak, God. And ultimately, I, I, I cast out the enemy and any distractions in the name of Jesus. And I just pray that your spirit be so thick in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. And here we go, ready? Whatever happens... My dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Paul is coming from a place that he is letting the Philippian church, the people in Philippi who have planted this church, that no matter the trials and the tribulations, no matter what it may look like, stay steadfast, wake up every morning, be joyful in what God has given you and the breath he's given you, right? Because what does this do? It protects you, right, from what the enemy will throw your way that day. It safeguards your faith. And here's the thing. Faith, you can't see what you believe, right? You can't ultimately see that Christ will return. You can't see that, but you believe it in your heart. If we've given our lives to Jesus, we know that he's coming back, right? And so that's by faith. And so Paul is saying if we safeguard that, we'll wake up every morning joyful, knowing that our Christ is returning for us. Yes, yes. And let's go to verse 2 as we continue to break this down. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say, you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done 
for us. We put no confidence in human effort. So we're going to break this down theologically. Those dogs. Paul is talking about those dogs. He's upset. I mean, I really want to paint this picture. Paul is upset. And who those dogs are, they're false teachers in the land of Philippi. They're Jewish leaders who are going before the people who have converted from being a Gentile and believing in all these many gods to believing in the way, the truth, and the life, who is Jesus Christ. Amen? And they're then saying, okay, hold on. Now you have to be circumcised. You guys know what that is, right? And they're making people believe that you have to do X, Y, Z in order to truly obtain salvation, right? Anyone who comes and tells you, yeah, you've given your life to Jesus, but you got to get this straight, this straight, this straight, it's legalism. It is legalism. I remember when I was 16 years old, and the church that I was raised in was very legalistic. I thank God for it, though, because it did give me a foundation in who Jesus was, right? But ultimately, I remember walking in one Friday evening because we would have Friday evening services, and I had a skirt. I was 16 years old. I mean, come on. And I had a skirt, like, maybe above right here. Maybe it was a little shorter, but anyways. So I walk into the church, and I swear every eye was on me, and I was so uncomfortable. And there was one lady who came up to me at the very end of service, and she said, if you come in with that skirt again, we won't let you in the doors. That was 16 years old. And it set me in a trajectory that put this taste in my mouth about Christ, that for 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, seven years, I was lost, lost. Instead of someone saying, let me embrace you. Let me love you. Let, let me show you what the truth is. Let me sit down and read the word with you because I know that this will give you a new life and a new heart, right? And so what Paul understood is what these people were trying to infiltrate into the church in Philippi would cause this distance in the believers. And so he was upset, y'all. He was upset. And so I love this because in verse 4, he goes and he says, we can put the verse back up, or um, verse 3, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. You see that? We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. So, so what is this circumcision that he's speaking about? He's speaking about the circumcision of the heart. Ultimately, Jesus came to abolish the laws and, and, and legality, right? And, and so at the time before you meet Christ, your heart is hardened stone, hardened stone. And so what does he do? He comes and he breaks that heart or he goes and he chips at it. And so in Ezekiel 36, 26, it says this. This is Ezekiel prophesying. Um, it's, it's God prophesying through Ezekiel of what will happen. And it says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Having this new heart helps us rely more on Jesus and less on ourselves. It helps us think more about others and less about ourselves. And this is the true form of worship that Paul was speaking about. So he wanted to address legalism right there in the church of Philippi. Amen? And so let's continue into verse 4, and then we'll continue here. Though I could have confidence, here's Paul, 
in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Let's hear about Paul. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Verse 7, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Paul was, I mean, he, he is, he was the man. He really was. But what I know about Paul is that in Acts chapter 9, and write that down if you are taking notes, give it up for my son. He's in the first row. Jay, I love him. Uh, we had team night last night. It was good. Was team night good? Team night is the night where all of our superheroes get together. And, um, I mean, anyone's invited. But we just cast vision, have fun, get together as a community. And he wanted to sit yesterday to hear Daddy preach. And he's like, Mom, now I want to hear you. And I'm like, okay. Um, but he's taking notes. Come on, Jay. Let me show that notepad. He, I mean, go ahead. Raise it up. Yes. There you go. We are a note-taking church. You guys can clap for him. I mean... He didn't ask me, I promise you. Yesterday, he did not ask me. He just said, Mom, I need a journal. I need a paper. I need to write. I need to take notes. But yeah, we're a note-taking church, and I've said this before. Why do we take notes? It's because when a test comes our way, that trial, that tribulation, that dark place that you're about to enter, you can go back to a place of promise and pass that test you're about to walk into. So note-taking is so important, okay? That's why we do it. So Acts chapter 9, we're back at that. Acts chapter 9. Paul is in a place where he's on his way in Damascus to kill Christians. He was killing people of the way because that's what we were called when, you know, back in that day. And Jesus literally knocked him off of his high horse because that's what he was doing. He was treading on his high horse. And you've heard that term, right? When you're so prideful and, and life just smacks you in the face, huh? And so this is what happened. But if it wasn't for that experience, Paul wouldn't have realized just how much he needed a savior. He wouldn't have realized it. So I have some blocks here. And I want to, I hope you guys can see these. This is what Paul is boasting about. He's boasting about the memberships, right? I'm going to kind of move this and make myself comfortable. Because I'm going to stay behind my notes. I got to get us out of here on time. He's boasting about his memberships, right? About his accolades, his awards. He's boasting about his degree, degrees, wouldn't you say? He's also boasting about his upbringing and ultimately his social status. In of themselves, these are not bad things. Who would agree that these are not bad things? Like to go chase degrees and awards, like these are not bad things, right? Paul came to a place, though, that... All of the things he was chasing were out of his own wants and his own desires and his flesh, right? Because he says it in verse 7, and we'll read into 8, I put no confidence in myself. I'm here to tell you, we are so much stronger in Christ. We have so much more to look forward to in Christ. 
And so in of, these self, in, in of themselves, these are not bad things. And, and this is what Paul was trying to let the Philippian church know. And here we go. Ultimately, so I have a membership at Lifetime. Pastor's been talking about it a lot. And so I just wanted to shout out Lifetime. But um, Lifetime's expensive, okay? And uh, we have to really budget. And it puts a little bit of a dent. But it's okay. It's, I'm achieving my fitness goals. It's a good thing, right? Yes, it's good to be healthy. But being a member at Lifetime and the status that that brings, whatever that means, it's garbage. It means nothing. Your accolades, your awards, whatever you're chasing after, whatever you're running after, whatever you're doing in the flesh. I was ordained, like Pastor said about two months ago. Um, the board of directors ordained me as executive pastor of Highlight Church. And it is an honor, an honor that I never thought I would walk into seven years ago when I first gave my life to Christ. But ultimately, that certificate, that award, means nothing if I'm not loving people. Because being a pastor does not get me a free pass into heaven. Right? Degrees. I have a nursing degree, if you don't know, and I do work at Shady Grove Adventist. I know it's called something else around here, but I won't say it. Um, And ultimately, you know, I was at a place before Christ where I wanted to run after the nurse practitioner, and I wanted to do all of these things, and ultimately I was going to take my son, because I was a single mom at the time, um, you know, all the way through school and just do what I had to do and grind it out. But, you know, every day when I walk into Shady Grove, God reminds me that my degree means nothing if I'm not caring for the people that he sets before me that day, truly caring and being present. It's good. You can clap for that. Yeah. My upbringing. So I'm Dominican and Colombian. I am Hispanic. Soy Latina. Yes. Yes. Hablo español. Okay. And ultimately, you know, this country, we're going back and forth with foreigners and refugees and all of these things that truly break my heart. Because at the end of the day, like anyone who lives in America, you guys know this. If you're not an Indian, right? It's like we're all native. Um, But honestly, where I come from matters nothing in light of eternity. It matters nothing because you can change the outcome of where you came from, right? Social status, social status. Oh my gosh, this is so big within millennials. Um, You know, they just did a new, uh, the Barna group just did something new and they did research and they said two out of 10 millennials think that it's the right thing or it's the thing to do and go to go to church every Sunday. Two out of 10. That's 20% in America. Millennials are 18 to about 35, 36. Let's put it up to 40 years old, right? Our church is composed of 80% millennials. We are changing culture. Do you guys not understand that? Yes. We are changing culture. But one thing I do know is that millennials, we are so stuck on that social status, on how many followers on Instagram, how many likes did we just get on Facebook, did this person follow me back, or oh my God, they unfollow me, (gasps) my life is a wreck. What does that matter in light of eternity? It matters nothing. It matters nothing. And here's the thing, Paul realized that he found treasure. He found treasure 
And I'm here to tell you, if you haven't found Christ yet, he is treasure. He is treasure to your soul. He is treasure to, to, to what you look forward to every morning. I love this. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew. Let's go here. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. This is what Paul understood, that when he found Jesus, he found more. He found more. He found treasure. He found pearls. He found something that was so invaluable that nothing in this life could give him. Not his social status, not his degrees, not his accolades. He found Jesus. Yes, he found Jesus. And so the title of my message today is There is More. There is more. There is so much more, church. So much more. Let's continue in verse 8. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. It depends on faith. Everything is worthless, he says. Um, Point number one is more him. More him. So you guys may know this story, but I'm going to share it because it's one of my favorite stories. Um, But I was, it was seven years ago. And I was studying for my NCLEX exam, and I went and walked into Barnes and Nobles, and it was about, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and it was packed. Packed. There was no empty desk. Everything was packed, and there was only one desk with one chair open. And it was Pastor Joshua's uh, place that he was studying. And I noticed he had Bibles and commentaries, and then he had these medical books. I figured, okay, well, you know, he's practicing medicine. I am too. Let me go and ask him if I can sit with him. And so I asked him, and it's the famous line. He goes and says, oh, you can take up all the space in the world. And, yeah, he sure did. He tries to deny it, but he knows he did. And I, (laughs) yeah, Jay, he sure did. And I just, you know, I just said, you know, like, did he just say that to me? (laughs) And I went ahead and and kind of, you know, sat down. I put my backpack to the side. And um, I started taking out my books. And then here comes question one. So what are you studying? Oh, you know, I'm studying to be a nurse. And he's like, oh, okay. And he went and started studying. And he asked me a couple more questions. And in about an hour, maybe not an hour, but about an hour later, He goes, he says, okay, well, uh, my time's up. You can just take everything up. I'd probably take the chair away so nobody bothers you. And I was like, well, thanks, thanks. And he gets up, and he starts putting his stuff away. And I will never forget this question because it changed my entire life. 
And he went and he said, so do you believe in Jesus? And I looked at him perplexed because I was 23 years old about doing me and my life. And I was a single mom at the time in nursing school, busting my butt. The last thing, right, on my mind was Jesus. Truly, it was the last thing. But that question left such an impression on my heart that I went home and I remember looking at myself in the mirror and I said, my life doesn't reflect like the Jesus that I know. It doesn't look like I have him in my life at all. And that whole entire month, I began to think, if I continue to pursue what I want and my dreams and my degrees and my awards and and I pursue the home that I want and the car that I want and I, 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 I would end up at the end of my life in a hospital bed like most of my patients alone. And I would have no hope. And the other thing is, I wouldn't even know where my last breath would go. Where would it go? And so Paul is saying that he wants to become one with him. He wants to know him. He wants to know Jesus. And so I'm here today to tell you that more him is the best way to live life. True life in Jesus, this man who came to die for you, who resurrected on, on the third day for you to give you new life, he came for you so that, so that you can decide, I want Jesus in my life and I want him to tell me where to go. So that when he tells me to go left, I'm going left. And when he tells me to pursue that degree, you'll end up pursuing that degree. And when he tells you to, to, to stay single, stay in that thing, don't go nowhere because I love you and I have more for you, and you stay in that lane of singleness, right? He prepares that perfect husband or that wife for you. Or, or, or raising your children. Children can be crazy. My goodness, I have a three and a nine-year-old, okay? And ultimately, he will teach me, he will teach you continuously how to raise your children as you get to know who he is through his word. More him is what Paul is talking about. More him. He says he wants to get to know who Jesus is, have this passion for Christ that surpasses every idea or, or, or every state of, of being. He wants to know who Christ is so that ultimately, church, you will get to the end of your life and lay in that hospital bed with the people that love you, knowing and having hope, and that your last breath here on earth will be your first breath in heaven. It's more him, more him. And this is what Paul is talking about. This is what he's addressing. Verse 8 and 9, let's read it again. Yes, everything else is worthless, when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. So this is what Paul understood. And I had to come to a place 
that I wanted more him. I had to come to a place in my life that my actions began to align with who he was. And see, as, as I'm speaking to all ages, but my millennials, you are meant to stand out, not to stand in. You have a light that the world cannot hide. Even in my 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you have a light that the world cannot hide when you say yes to Jesus. And so this light, we're meant to shine it in our workplaces. We're meant to shine it in the grocery store when that teller is so upset by just having a simple conversation and knowing who their name is, right? Being more in tune with what is going around us. God has called us to be different. And how do we do this? By getting to know who he is in his word. Let's continue here into verse 10. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Point number two is more power. More power. Power, power. Mighty power. Power in the Greek is dunamai. In, in, in Greek culture... I mean, Chris is Greek, so where's Chris at? Chris is Greek, but he understands this. I mean, they've got passion behind their words. So when they said power in their society, dunamai, think about dynamite. Think about how explosive dynamite is, right? Dynamite, it shakes the very foundations of the earth when it's set off. It breaks down walls when it's set off. It tears down entire buildings when it's set off. Here's the thing, as we continue to know who Christ is and we say yes to him, we can experience more power. And what is that power? The power of the resurrection, it is the Holy Spirit. Every Sunday, at least one person gives their lives to Jesus here at Highlight Church. Since we launched October 16 of 2016, one person, every Sunday. Let's celebrate that. You want to know why we celebrate that? Because every Sunday, there is dunamite going off in this building. There is a dynamite that's being exploded, and it's breaking every chain that surrounds people. It's breaking addictions that are holding people in bondage, right? That power, when it is set off, it breaks down the walls completely. I don't know what walls you may have in this room, but you've got to let them go and give them to Jesus today. Because life in him is the best life. Seven years ago, I experienced that power, and, and shame fell off, and, and doubt fell off. Confidence began to rise because the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is meant to rise this holy confidence of power, of dunamite. And this is what Paul is talking about, church. This is what he's talking about. He wants to experience this. Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus says this, And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Let me, let me peel your eyes back a little bit. If God was to give us like spiritual sunglasses or spiritual glasses, we would see this so much more powerful. I truly believe. The Bible says that when someone gives their lives to Christ, that angels rejoice in heaven. The heaven. Seriously? You want to know why? Because there's dunamite going off. So strong that the heavens are shaken. And they celebrate every time one person repents and comes 
into the kingdom of God. That is what's happening spiritually. So this is what Paul is speaking about, this more power. And I know that if we came to realize this church, I truly believe that confidence would rise from a place that when you want to run your race that God has set you to run, you're not going to be held back right? Unashamed, you'll run forward, not caring what this person says or the next person says, because you know that God, your God who created you, is right there, guiding you, leading you. This is what he does. This is what this power does. He is so good. Let's read verse 11. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection from the dead. So point number three is more life. More life. So we have more him, more power, more life. What is this resurrection from the dead that Paul is speaking about? Here's the thing, church. Jesus is coming back. Again, I don't know if you believe in him in this room. But there is another side to when we die. Eternity. Eternity. We are eternal beings. We were made in the image of God. God is eternal. God is eternal. So this more life, more life, we are ecclesia or the church called out ones. And when you say yes to Jesus, you are his bride, is what the Bible says. You are his bride. You are adorned in white, pure. And let me tell you, you come to him the way that you are. Again, remember, there is no X, Y, Z to then get to Jesus, right? That's legalism. You come to him in your brokenness, in your sin, in your shame. It does not matter because he will break those chains every time. This is what he does. And so this more life is this part of eternity that I don't know about you, but I want to experience that. So I'm going to live a life here on earth that allows me to walk into those gates with my husband, who will be my brother in Christ, because the Bible says we won't be married in heaven, because Jesus will be our groom. He will be our husband. And then I want to live a life more life, that my children are so affected that they're walking right behind me as we enter into those gates. Because heaven's a real place. And Jesus is coming back for his church. So I don't know what devil in hell is out there that wants to lie or sway the truth of God's promises, but he is coming back. And I want to be able to walk through those pearly gates and see the thousands that God has called me to walk in with because I chose more him. Because I chose more power. Because I chose more life, a life outside of myself so that he can fill me and I don't have to be empty anymore. And I can have hope where there is no hope. Because this power truly is at work. Do you want to be in heaven, church? Do we want to go there? Do we want to see his return? It's going to be a glorious day. 
So those that are going to get baptized, if you can please stand to your feet. We have people. Yes. Please, let's clap for them. Yes. Come on to the front. Don't be shy. Come on to the front. Just stand right here in the front. These, these people have chosen more him. They have chosen more power and more life. They have said yes to Jesus and abandoned everything, right? Counting it all as nothing. So I want to say being baptized is one of the greatest things you can do after saying yes to Jesus. And this baptism here, it is open. Whoever wants to do it today, today could be your day. We have clothes, towels, sandals, it doesn't matter. So don't allow being dry to keep you back from the power that can come after you are baptized. Because here's the thing. You don't have to be baptized, right? But if Jesus didn't, and, he's, and, and the Bible says that the heavens opened up and a dove ascended to him. The power of the Holy Spirit ascended upon him. This more power. And so that's the decision that you guys are making. And so it is open. And if, when we pray, if that's the decision you want to make today, it could be your first time coming to Christ, returning to Christ, whatever that is. Be unashamed. Join your brothers and sisters and just stand up, come to the front. We have everything for you. But there is more to this life. There is so much more. And here are our kids. They're going to join us. They're also being baptized. Let's give them a high five. Yes. Yes. Let the little ones come to me is what Jesus said. So church, let's bow our heads. And if anyone is in the, in the room and they just, they've got to give it up, give it up. Come forward. Give it up. Give it up. Father, I just thank you for what you're doing in this place, God. Father, I thank you that you are moving in the hearts of your people. God, I thank you that you've called us to this more, this more life, this more uh, in you, God. There is so much more in you. And so, Jesus, the ones who have chosen to be baptized today, Father, I just pray that you supply them with this supernatural strength, this supernatural boost, God. I release wisdom from heaven, Father. I release a blessing over their finances, God. I release power to be released upon them. Even the little ones, God, may they never depart from your ways, God, that you continue to speak into their parents, Jesus, so that you continue to guide them, God, so that they can be world changers for the good news of who Jesus is. God, we thank you for what you're doing here at Highlight Church. It is special. We thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. With every eye closed, every head bowed, just begin to pray in this room. If you want to give your life to Christ, maybe you're not ready to be baptized, and that's okay. It's completely okay. Every head bowed, eye closed. If you want to come to Jesus for the first time, and it may be scary, you don't know what it looked like, don't let anything hold you back. That stirring you may feel in the gut of your stomach, you've got to release it. If you're returning to him because you're giving it up, you're giving it up. You're giving it all away, whatever. Give it up. Return to him. And so on the count of three, unashamed, just lift that hand up in this room. One, two, three three. There's salvation. It's okay. God is here. 
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's, let's clap, church. Salvation reigns in this place. Yes. So let's just bow our heads and, and pray these words together as a church as we close out. Father God, I realize that I am a sinner. And I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose on the third day for me. Father, I pray that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give it away today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.